go to the potter's house. The prophet hears the spirit nudging. And Jeremiah goes. All around us there are lessons of life. Parables that speak the truth about us, about our world. Today's lesson happens in a potter's house. Now, potters in Jeremiah's day performed their craft similar to those today. The, the, the way it was done was the same, but the purposes were different. Today's potters are more like artists. They craft to amaze, to express. But ancient potters were not so much artists. They were workers. They made pots and pans, not for display, but for use. A jar for oil, a bowl for dinner, a pot for baking, a cup for wine. Everyday cupboard pottery, not mantle pottery. A misshapen pot could be beautiful and artistic, but it wouldn't be very useful in the marketplace. And so we find our potter seeing the pot spoiling in her hands on the wheel. And she starts over, destroys what she'd been working and reworks it again. I'm told when you start with a lump of clay, you you never quite know what you might get. Sometimes it molds perfectly, other times unexpectedly. You may get distracted. The cat runs by and you lose your, your focus. Too much pressure, or maybe not enough pressure. The clay may start to harden over time. You've taken too long, and so you must start again, no matter how long you've been working. Pottery is messy, a little stinky, unpredictable. Jeremiah probably got specks of clay on his toga as he stayed there watching the potter shape and then reshape that pot. It was hot in there, sweaty. The sweat on the potter's forehead dripping into her pot. Unpredictable, messy, hard work. This is what Jeremiah sees in the house of the potter. Now, there's a lie. It might be, I don't know, the most insidious lie that we tell ourselves. It goes by a lot of names, masking itself as wisdom and often even as religious truth. But don't be fooled. It is a lie. Now, I heard the lie spoken again last Tuesday night when a group of us gathered at the Norwalk Easter Public Library for discussion around gun violence. Bad people will do bad things. The lie spoke up. Take away their guns and they'll find a way. They're bad. There's nothing going to stop them. And then from the other side of the room, the lie spoke up again. Oh, oh, gun owners can't be trusted. Why would anyone want a gun? You've got to be evil if you want a gun. Such certainty. From both sides of the room, no room for disagreement, for nuance, for change. Sometimes the lie speaks to us about others. They're wrong. Their kind is wrong. They're outside of God's will, outside of God's love. Other times the lie speaks of ourselves. I'm wrong. I'm flawed, too lost to be redeemed. Sometimes it speaks of us, but in the opposite way. Still a fable, I'm too good. I'd never do something like that. That's not who I am. Thank God I'm not like them. 
It sounds like truth. The world, you, me, our futures, our fates are fixed. Even God is fixed. That's what scripture says, right? There's a plan. It's set ahead of time. No room for change. Just live into your plan. Good apples and bad apples. And God is keeping the good, throwing out the bad. It sounds like truth, but is it? I threw out some bad apples the other day into the compost bin, trying to be a good uh, steward of our environment. And you'll never believe what happened. Those bad apples, where they got kind of, well, worse, stinky, and they began to decompose right there in the midst of grass clippings and old leaves. Before I knew it, the bad apples were gone, destroyed, perhaps, or maybe transformed. All I found was dark, fresh soil. The deeper you dug, the darker it was. So I took that soil and planted it around the garden, like clay around those plants, shaping a dish that would feed nutrients into the life of that plant, a bad apple giving life. All around us, there are lessons, parables that expose that insidious lie and speak to us the truth. So what is the truth? Can I not do with you just as the potter has done? That's the word the prophet hears from the Lord. Looking around his nation, Jeremiah is convinced of the future. He's staked his life on it, given up his career, his friendships, even his family. The house of Israel is coming to an end, he proclaims. They turn from God to idols and God's judgment is coming. Why wouldn't it be? Jeremiah doesn't like the message. He's not a sadist just looking to see the people punished, but he believes it. And he believes it's his call to declare the message. It's like a fire inside his bones, he says. It burns so hot he has to let it out, no matter the consequences. But perhaps he never considered that one of those consequences might be that the people hear what he has to say in all of his boldness and they change their ways, these evil, idol-worshiping, ungrateful, hedonistic, unjust people, can they repent? And if they did, doesn't that still mean they're guilty of the sins already committed? They've sinned. They deserve punishment. Thus says the Lord. Ah, but there's the lie again, Jeremiah. And so God sends Jeremiah to the potter's house. Perhaps he could hear another word and see the potter like God is a creator. And every creator knows that it doesn't always go as you think it will go. No matter how hard you prepare and how good you are at your craft, sometimes the creation has a mind of its own. Sometimes the creator makes a mistake or changes her mind. It's all unpredictable, isn't it? Things haven't gone like we thought they would. People don't always act the way they're supposed to act. Our lives, careers, our children, family, friends, we try so very hard to shape those things that we are trying to make. And it's all sometimes so very disappointing. Throw it out. Throw them all out. They're spoiled. They're worthless. I'm spoiled. I'm worth this. Throw me out. The lie in all its glory. But the truth is right there on the potter's wheel. 
Even when spoiled, it's remade. And could it so be with us when this world, when others let us down, could they, could us, could we not too be refashioned? Now, what's not so clear in the scripture is who exactly is on that potter's wheel? Is it the nation of Israel sitting there spinning before the potter? Is it us, the church, our nation, you and I individually? But perhaps, maybe, it's God. God on the potter's wheel. Now, before you throw me out for blasphemy, let's give it a spin. God, or rather, God's will sitting there being crafted. The immutable, unchangeable mind of God spoiled, then refashioned. Of course, God's character remains the same, always good, always loving, yesterday, today, and forever. That's what scripture says and what I believe. And God's overall purpose, his work, remains the same to fashion the beloved community that is transforming the world, yes. But such work takes work. Perhaps even the potter doesn't know exactly how it will shape up. Two people in a garden? What could go wrong? A barren old couple creating a nation? A nation bringing hope to the world. Uh, The very potter already covered in clay, messy, hot, sweaty, and dirty from spinning and refashioning for thousands of years, chooses to become the clay, the creator becoming the very stuff of creation. What could go wrong? In the September 2010 issue of Ceramics Monthly Magazine, Hannah Marshall writes an article, Raised in Clay, Musings of a Potter's Daughter. In the fall of 1990, Dad, Mom, And my brother lugged cardboard boxes full of equipment, a kiln, dry clay materials, carts, and plaster molds across town to a drab but hopeful building. I was three when we moved into the three-room studio, which would house my dad's slip-cast creations. The studio was always frigid in winter and sweltering in summer. The glaze smells like rotten Chinese takeout. And a bucket of clay water wafts the smell of mold through the house. This place wakes me up. I'm connected to my father's work. His daughter, part of his DNA and his thought process, my family worked the slip and dried pots. It never felt individual like the work was our father's only. Dad glazing pots. Mom sat in the office shuffling through W-2 forms and craft fair applications. My brothers lifted the 40-pound molds and trimmed the edges of wet pots. The place and the processes feel organic and cyclical. As for me, I can fettle bone-dry clay as well as any potter, holding the knife round, the knife's round handle and scraping the blade fastidiously around thin, sharp rims. My dad makes buckets of slip from recycled and newly mixed clay to form his clean line pots. The pots dried, they're finished and fired, or they break and they're recycled. And we rework the clay again and again until it's perfected. 
I watch this process of birth and death, destruction and rebirth. It is my life simplified. Craft is not romantic. Creation is not mysterious. I could breathe eloquent words into the pottery studio and make you believe it was a dusty Garden of Eden, but it really is made of stone, brick, clay, sweat. It reminds me of every day I live, wake up, go for a run, eat breakfast, work. Creating pottery is creating a life where each day makes up profound and meaningful years. The work is deep in us. My family is the clay and we will be worked and reworked until we can finally find the shape for which we are intended. Ah, there. There's the truth. Go to the potter's house. Don't believe the lie. Listen. Can I not do with you just as this potter has done? The prophet hears the word of the Lord speak just like clay in the potter's hands. So are you in my hands. In the potter's house, the outcomes are not predetermined. Good, bad. Listen to the words being spun. I will change my mind, the potter whispers. Harsh words are spoken there too. pluck up. Break down, destroy. We hear them muttered and cringe for a moment, but then at another moment I will build, plant. I will change. The potter, I will change. We will change. Worked and reworked every day, every mistake, or if you want to use biblical words, every sin broken down and built up, destroyed but reborn. The people of God don't believe the lie about them or about you, about this world, about all y'all, all of us. Look around. Yeah, it seems bleak at times, spoiled even, but the potter's not done. In fact, her work has only just begun. And you and I, well, we're invited to jump right in, to get Messy in the clay with the potter. Amen.